Thank you for stopping by Kaiser's Castle. Grab yourself a seat on my big orange couch. Grab yourself your coffee, tea, soda, or adult libation. Most of you don't know, but oh, the Mandalorian sure. is um, it's like a spaghetti western set in space. It's actually a pretty good film and a standalone, but it does follow Star Wars canon of um, certain characters. And we have differing thoughts on the different characters, but just on the overall theme of it and Phil, is that kind of your vibe that you get from the Mandalorian? Um, it's like an old spaghetti western? Yeah, well, I mean, Star Wars was always kind of like a western samurai space opera, you know, mix. Uh, it, it dealt with all those elements. Uh, so this being more of a traditional, like, space western... Um, fits in perfectly, and it actually goes with the Mandalorian. Uh, not so much the race, but it's, you know some of the groups that were around after uh, the purge of the Mandalorians, and a lot of them were kind of like cowboys in space, sort of. So, uh, and they were bounty hunters, and it fi- it follows uh, you know at least some of that lore, you know, pretty pretty intact. Uh, but not only that, it also follows the, you know, being on Tatooine, as they've showed a couple times, it follows that really, like, old western look in some of the shots, uh, which goes back to A New Hope, and it really kind of captures that kind of feel of the original movie, which I think was really cool. Oh, I agree with you wholeheartedly, man. I mean, some of the, especially the back shots of him, or, or his approach shots from the low angle, and the back shots from the distant angel angle, and as they come in and pan in tight, it, it's very reminiscent of the old westerns with Clint Eastwood in it. You know the different shots they'd have in like the outlaw Josie Wells. Right. Yep. And uh, yeah, so that that's just my thoughts on it. And uh, it, it's like you said, it it follows the path of what like uh, old. Uh, outlaws out west in the u.s uh whenever they did them even sort of a young guns feel at points because there's sometimes some comedy relief the episode they had i don't want to ruin it for anybody if they haven't watched them with bill burr i mean that was some serious comic relief just the sarcasm uh, but all of the star wars i think films have had that, you know, and I never really noticed that a lot with the uh, Star Treks, the different Star Treks. You had the little quips between uh, Kirk and Spock or Nimoy and, and anybody, but that was pretty much it, you know. It wasn't like... Well, uh, Star Trek had a little bit of a, a sarcasm um, between, like you said, Kirk and Spock, uh, and there is also, I think, a, a little bit more between Scotty and Kirk, uh, which, uh, you know, went a little bit uh, into catchphrases and stuff like that where fans over the years have adapted certain things like, I'm an engineer, Captain, I'm not a lightsaber, or, you know, whatever the heck, you know, the, the scenes would be. Uh, and there was also running gags, like all the red shirts will always die in the episodes. Uh, so there was a lot of, like, backhanded humor in Star Trek, but it wasn't like in-your-face slop, you know, stick comedy, like... Unfortunately, one of the prequels got in Star Wars with Jar Jar Binks, but we don't. Oh, mention, yeah. yeah, we don't talk about Jar Jar Binks much. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, yeah. they take it, all those and 
make those void. Uh, but I'll tell you this. The one thing I didn't know, Scotty was a veteran of World War II or Korea. I can't remember which one. And uh, he's missing a finger, and you never even see it in any of the shots they ever did with him. He yep. lost it yep. during the war. Yep, that's correct. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> that was something that I didn't know for, you know, forever. I'm not a geek. and I, I mean, I guess I am a geek, and I'm kind of a nerd. Well, did you, enjoy, did you enjoy Star Trek growing up? Were you a fan? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Then you're oh, a geek. Yeah, oh, yeah. You're a geek. You're a geek at, at heart. You yeah, know, you yeah. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, but I, I did enjoy them. I liked the films, all of them. Believe it or not, even the first one. I remember my uncle's big complaint was, it was like they were meeting everybody forever, you know, during the whole first uh, movie. Uh, yeah. Was it uh, when they well, were looking for V'ger? The, the motion, the motion, the motion picture, the first movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. That they were looking for V'ger, and V'ger ends up being the old Voyager two that was launched back in the seventies. I believe it came out in seventy eight, seventy nine, maybe eighty. Which yeah, it was it, it was it was right around that time because it came out after Star Wars. Um, 77, and uh, it, the reason that yep. the uh, Star Trek motion picture got made was because, you know, the studio was like, oh, wait, Star Wars? What the heck is that? That made so much money. How that? How did that happen? And uh, so they said, okay, well, we have Star Trek. Um, you know, that's a popular series. And remember, uh, Star Trek got popular after it went off air. It, it was many, you know, um, reruns later. The fans really fell in love with the series. It wasn't like an initial hit at first, but then when they found, I think it was like the last year, where the fans really went like eight nuts over, and they were like, "Oh man, this is a great show," and they like they canceled it. And then the reruns is what really brought it back a little bit, and they did some cartoons, and and that kept it alive. But they really, I don't think we we're gonna take it serious as movies until they saw what Star Wars did, and then they were like, "Wait a second. You mean we can make money with this in theaters? Well, let's go ahead and uh, take advantage of that. And uh, I think it, it might have been 79, 80, around there. I think it might have been 79, because I know it was right after Star Wars. And um, so if anybody can correct me on that, but I think it was 79, 80, right around there. Uh, and I know in 82, um, they came out with the, the search for, for uh, Spock. Um, and, uh, I'm sorry, the Wrath of Khan. The Wrath of Khan was, uh, in 82, 84, if I remember, it was the search for Spock, and then, uh, the Voyage Home in 86, Final Frontier, I think it was 89, Undiscovered Country, 91, Generations in 94, which is a very underrated movie, I actually enjoy Generations a lot. That was a transition from the original crew to the new crew, or the Next Generation crew, which was only, like, four movies later, and they were gone. Uh, Insurrection, which nobody liked. <laughs> that was in uh, 98. Uh, I think Nemesis was 2002, and First Contact was in, yeah, 96. That was actually my favorite, um, I think, of the, uh, the the Next Generation crew, was the First Contact in 96. That's uh, the one with the Borg. Yeah, that was the one with the Borg, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and after that, Insurrection was kind of like a letdown in '98, and then Nemesis came out, which was a lot better. That's when they had Tom Hardy playing uh, Picard, 
uh, as a young clone of Picard. Uh, that one actually was pretty good, but it was like a little too late after Insurrection and uh, Nemesis uh, didn't stand a chance. You know, Insurrection really kind of killed the uh, the franchise. But First Contact, I thought was a really solid movie. The best one from the Next Generation crew. Oh, I definitely agree with that. That was uh, where they sort of explained a little more of the backstory of uh, Star Trek, in my opinion, uh, um, of of the Borg. Let me rephrase that, the backstory of the Borg, because I remember when it showed up on the series, you're like, what is this? You know, it, it was really goofy. Although we did get, what, seven of five? Or seven of nine. Seven of nine. Oh yeah, seven seven of nine. Oh, I loved her. Oh, she's. Oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Man. She was married to a mayor in Cleveland, who uh, I guess used to go swinging with her. Could you imagine that going to a swingers club in Cleveland and all of a sudden, there's uh, that woman. <laughs> I if that would be the case, I'd ditch my wife very quick. Let me tell you, I'd be like, sorry, honey, I. Uh, I have to go do a seven of nine. She'll be like, what does that mean? Is that a bathroom thing? Don't worry about it, babe. Uh, just uh, go sit over there. I'll be back in about 10 minutes, maybe 20. Yeah. <laughs> I don't need much. Yeah, you, you'll be a minute man for that, right? Well, uh, well, I hate to be vilified over that. I mean, just, you know, it's like <laughs> Dave Chappelle said, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a speed fucker. What can I say? You know, speedy fucker. I'm just trying to beat. I'm just trying to beat my best time every time. You know, that's all I'm trying to do. Oh, <laughs> your best time every time. I got it. I got it. Oh man, that's some hilarious stuff. Um, yeah, no, but getting back to it, yeah. So we we both know we're science fi uh, fiction film geeks, I guess. So. Uh, just those two, though. I think uh, more Star Wars than anything. I read the books. I was young enough when it came out in 77 that I just started reading um, the uh, paperbacks, you know, like that kind of thing. And I remember uh, it was the second Star Wars, Return of the Jedi, or uh, um, take that back, it was uh, The Empire Strikes Back, when you actually got a glimpse after the Christmas special the year before of a, a character they introduced called Boba Fett. And he had the uh, Mandalorian armor on during that Christmas special. It was a cartoon short. And then they came out with uh, um, The Empire Strikes Back, and that's when you get glimpses of Fett until he grabs Han Solo when he gets frozen in carbonite. And he's standing next to Vader when they come in for the dinner mill that Billy D. Williams backstabbed him on to save his city. And uh, Billy D. Williams was smooth. And, you know, they uh, did you notice that when they brought him back for the uh, final episodes, uh, I think it was the second to the last one? Rise uh, of the Skywalker. Or that's the a, death of the franchise. That's yeah, that yeah, Death of the <laughs> franchise exactly. That entire, that entire last trilogy was just, uh, well, we can just say it. It was full of a lot of Mary, uh, Mary Jane. You know, it was, it was. I have no idea. I think it was purposefully tubed by the woman, whatever her name is, the oh, producer of it, Kathleen Kennedy. Yeah, there's a yeah. 
There's a, a lady that uh, forever will be known as probably the most hated uh, producer in Star Wars history by the fandom. Yeah, she's not very much liked, uh, to say the least. And I'm being gentle because <laughs> they hate her fucking guts. Oh that's, yeah. yeah, that's really what it is. Oh yeah. <laughs> she was just a nightmare. I mean, Brutal. think about it. And then the director they had. Until the final, what, the final show, the final episode. Well, I don't blame J.J. Abrams as much because I think he honestly was trying, but when you, you have know, Kathleen the, Kennedy... That was like, the final one. Yeah. That was the final one, but the yeah. director before had been in charge of all both prior movies. No, no, and, no, uh, it was J.J. Abrams. He did the first one of the, the new trilogy. And then Ryan Johnson did the middle movie. So what they were going to do is they were going to have J.J. do the first one or the new ones. Ryan Johnson do the second one. And Colin Trevorrow, who had just done uh, Jurassic World, do the, the third and the final in, uh, of the trilogy. So it was going to be three different directors. What Colin Trevorrow wanted to go with this script was actually really good. I mean, I've read some of the synopses, and they're really, really good. Um, and for whatever reason... Kathleen Kennedy told Ryan Johnson he could do whatever he wanted with his script. And so he went and he wrote the shit show that we saw in the movie. That was all Ryan Johnson uh, that did that. And, or ruined Johnson, as he, you know, he's gotten the nickname now. Because he ruined Star Wars. And when The Last Jedi was finished, um, they started pushing it as the greatest thing ever. And they were going to give him his own trilogy because they loved what he did, right? So fans ate it up, and it had a, a really big turnout on opening day, but then the fans, once they saw it, they were like, this is terrible. Uh, you know, it took about a week for like people to get really upset, and at that point, they had fired Colin Trevorrow as the director of the third one, and he was co-writing the third one of the you know, Rise of Skywalker, which now is Rise of Skywalker. It didn't have that title at the time. It was just the third in the new trilogy. And his script was scrapped. They brought in new writers, Chris Terrio, who has been failing upwards in Hollywood for years. He's also the guy who uh, did um, the Justice League, uh, which was horrible, and uh, Batman vs. Superman. Yeah, I don't don't really watch um, um, superhero films, man. I I think I've seen... I was going to say, for those who've seen it, they probably know who I'm talking about. Uh, who might be watching, but they brought him in to like, uh, write the uh, the third movie with uh, whoever was going to direct it. And the director uh, that they wanted uh, didn't want to have anything to do with it after Solo bombed uh, with Ron Howard. They were like, oh, crap. Solo just bombed. Uh, the Last Jedi was a disaster. Um, they you know, they couldn't find a director after they they fired Colin Trevorrow. So they went and they got back J.J. Abrams and gave him a boatload of cash and said, here, please save the franchise. And J.J. was like, I don't think I could do that. I'd say he kind of like I had screwed the pooch with The Last Jedi. And they gave him a bunch of cash. And he's like, okay, I'll try. So he went in and he uh, tried his best. They actually had six different cuts of the movie. Okay, this has been reported. One of which was overseen 50% of it or somewhat was overseen with the help of George Lucas, who even had a part in the final, like, uh, you know, sequences of the movie, and the third act of the movie was, like, heavily his movie, basically, 
directed by J.J., you know, the way it was cut together and the narrative of the uh, film. So there was like six different cuts. The one that tested the best with our test audience was the George Lucas cut, believe it or not. But with Kathleen Kennedy and her agenda-driven politics, they went with the one that she and her crew liked, which is the one that we ended up seeing in theaters, uh, minus redacting several things that they didn't like from that original print, which is what they cut down to get the final, final cut, which is what we actually got in theaters. They, they were cutting together until like the very uh, last week, I think, of, uh, of pre-release. So what we ended up seeing in theaters was even a much shorter cut of what they had picked of six cuts that they had of the movie. Had they gone with the George Lucas one, it would have probably been a little bit more satisfying, but they didn't go that route uh, for whatever reason. Um, There's also talk about how his next trilogy would have been completely different from what they did. And uh, if you listen to, like, what some of the story points are, it would have been much better of the trilogy. Which, again, goes to show, don't don't go against the maker. Let the maker lead the way. He doesn't have to direct them. But his stories are always going to be the best ones told because this is his universe. It was his vision and his canon. Yeah. Um, even some of the things that, quote unquote, aren't canon, like the books, those little novellas, like Han Solo's Revenge, all those different film or you know uh, books. And what I meant to say, not Mary Jane, Mary Sue. For uh, the female lead, ah, well, yeah, it's like they were all—they were like all high anyway when they made those movies. I think so. Mary Jane, yeah. and Mary Sue don't matter. <laughs> well, I mean, it's all the same. Yeah, I mean, here's somebody who has no real character arc, and they try to give her one that just didn't make sense. They could have done it a lot better and introduced her as a character, but they didn't even do any of that. So I, I found it very weak. Um, it just. That's my opinion on on that entire series, and it is Kathleen Kennedy that really mucked that up. But see, here's the thing with the Mandalorian, and I didn't really despise Solo. I think the first show that I saw that I really fascinated me was um, this is in between all those shows was the one where they tell the story of when they stole the Death Star plans. And uh, the fight down there, and then at the end, you know, I'm not going to give the end. Well, you're talking, you're talking about Rogue, Rogue One? You're talking about the movie Rogue One? Yeah, Rogue One. Exactly. Right. Well, that wasn't a show. Exactly. That was, that was uh, an actual movie. That made a ton of money. That's, a lot of people consider right. that to be the best of the prequels because it takes, it, it really yeah. is a prequel. It's right before A New Hope, so. Right, right. It is a prequel, but I'm saying it's like in between um, the prequel series those three and i i do say show because yeah. to me that it's all it's supposed to be one storyline or you know a, a couple storylines blending but it, you see from a new hope to uh anakin you know turning to the dark side and that's where that fits in and uh i liked it how they had the blind guy um Anyways, I don't want to get off on a nerd tangent on that. But, yeah, I like that. Donnie film. Yen. I mean, anytime you can put Donnie Yen in a movie, I'm in. That dude is awesome. 
Oh yeah, his little stick and him beating the hell out of stormtroopers with it—that was hilarious. Well, um, but he was—he uh, wasn't a Jedi, but he was a Force user, and right? He was, and he was Force sensitive, so um, he was able to sense where they were going to move and be, and uh, using his uh, technique uh, of fighting uh, in the Force, he was able to, to like disarm anybody, and he was a keeper of the secret of the wills in the uh, Rogue One, which. Wow. That's a major title because the planet that they're in, in, the, in Rogue One, where, where he's guarding, uh, he was one of the last guardians of the wills, which are the, the people that kept the story of the prophecy of the, the Chosen One, for example, Anakin. And they're the guardians of the wills are like the ones that are in charge of the narrative of the entire uh, force. Uh, basically, they're the overseers or the watchers. And that's something that's been lured, but never really been kind of like talked about much. Uh, it's just something Lucas put in there as a backstory to how everything works. And he was going to go more in depth in that with the script for his follow-up movies. And they were going to have more about the, the Keepers of the Wills. Uh, a big rumor is that that's what Yoda's species is. He's uh, a member of the Wills. And we'll, we were going to find that out, but that didn't happen with the uh, sequels that they put out. So that's a part of the rumors. And uh, that also, you know, lends to say, well, maybe that's why we haven't found out what Yoda's species is yet, because this is the big reveal. You know, he's a member of the Wills. So that that leads into The Mandalorian again when we talk about, uh, yep. we were discussing, and we have a little divergence, I think, of thought on Baby Yoda. But, uh, there's a part in, I think it was when uh, uh, young Anakin, not baby Anakin, but had to go see the uh, council. And there was that uh, female uh, from Yoda's species. Although Yaddle. She was a bit taller. Yeah, Yaddle. And, that was her name, Yaddle. I'm serious. That was, that was her name. Yaddle. Yeah, yeah, that was her name. Yeah. And uh, what ended up has, uh, happening was. A lot of people, and I'm one of those people, that's why we, when we do discuss this, there will be a reveal, I think, both Angel and I agree on this, that there's going to be a big reveal probably in this next episode. But I think uh, that Yaddle is baby Yoda's actual parentage, and it may be possibly Yoda who's the father of that. So, but we shall see. We shall see. And, well, see, uh, that was my initial theory, and uh, that's a theory that I, I've been thinking about since they introduced Yoda. I think you and I talked about that a long time ago when that was uh, introduced. Right. Um, I've talked about that on my show from like the the day that they introduced it. But my theory, it, that being one of them, the other theory I have. Is that if that's not the case, then my theory that I shared with you a couple of days ago um, was, uh, or could have been yesterday or a couple of days ago. Yeah, I can't remember. Day's slow now. Uh, but anyway, uh, was that this, the baby Yoda is actually Yoda. And the reason they're going to introduce Ashoka Tano is because they're going to have her taken back to the past. And uh, probably by the end of the season, they'll ditch baby Yoda in the past. 900 years so when we see him again in uh, the prequels that's an older version of yoda baby yoda same yoda and yaddo could have been yoda's mom and he knew about it 
Now, remember, the Jedis are not supposed to have loved ones, but they can procreate, but they're not supposed to fall in love. So that's something that, you know, you kind of look at like, well, maybe they procreated for the species, but they weren't in love. But also, if that's his mom, then he wouldn't have done that unless he's some weird thing going on there. But uh, who knows? Maybe they make their species stronger when they do crazy stuff like that. You know, maybe he's his own grandpa. Well, I don't know. But the point is that my new theory is that they take him back to the past to save him from being killed by the Empire. And they ditch him back in the Knights of the Old Republic, which will set up the new movies that they have coming out, supposedly, which are based in the time of the Old Republic. It's set uh, about 900 years in the past from... Um, from the Phantom Menace, so this all kind of will like correlate to why they would you know set their new movies in that timeline. Well, that could be because uh, during that time, that was the time of the uh, war between uh, um, um, the Jedi and the Mandalorians. Because at one time, the Mandalorians did fight for the dark side. Then you had the uh, the split between them, uh, the Super Commandos era, and um, so that's where we get introduced to uh, Boba Fett. You know, he was one of the last people in the Super Commando line. Well, yeah, but, yeah, uh, but you're talking about uh, stuff that is not currently canon, so you really can't take that and throw that in there. That's from no, that's, uh, that's, that's canon. Well, it is a canon from no, it's well, it's not canon from like the new Disney era. Uh, that was canon in the no. old EU. Old, yeah, the yeah. old universe. Well, it which, is canon. I mean, even which, Kraya, yeah, even but Kraya talks about. Yeah, no, but um, even in like the new stuff, Boba Fett isn't that old because remember he's a clone of Jango Fett. So there's no way he would have been in, in right. back in the Knights of the Old right. Republic, which but, is a thousand years was, before. But that was that was that era. That armor is super commando armor that he wears, right? And because the armor is from that era, the armor maybe, but not the character itself. No, that's the character. The super commando was the final part of it because you had. Well, in this last episode, you saw um, the Mandalorians. Some of them. There were two sects of them. Super Commandos went one way. They're the ones who didn't take off their helmets for anybody, any sentient being. And then you had the other line with the females. And me and you were talking about the two females. I can't remember their names now because I confused one of them with the name. And you know that. Um, Sabine, Wren is one, Sabine Wren is one yeah. from Rebels with the purple hair. Yeah, and that's yeah. when they could... those That side that became the ruling class of Mandalore, um, that was the side that took off their helmets, but that's from the video game canon. And that was done alongside with Lucasfilm. So all of that was, uh, and Disney, I believe, also. So all of that is canon. Right, that, that, like that, com that comes from uh, the show Rebels. Like anything, right. anything from, uh, and just to like, you know, clear what's canon, what's not canon. Anything from the Phantom Menace to Rise of Skywalker, unfortunately, is considered canon. 
that is uh, not part of the extended universe to the old books. The new books or the new comics, which are now under Marvel, that's what's considered was being canonized, uh, which include the New Vader run, the the stuff that actually had to do with the original trilogy, which kind of like you know it extended the storylines for the th- those three movies. Um, they've done uh, comics in between the uh, storylines of the uh, prequels and, and the originals. Um, they've even are starting now with uh, comics yeah. they have to do with between um, the originals and the sequels. Yeah, I don't, uh, I yeah. don't know anything about the comics, man. That's not where that, I'm going. Well, I'm no, but uh, about... no, I know, but that, that's I'm just telling you. Th- these are the, the I'm actual talking canon. About the novels. Those novels. I'm talking from, about the novels. I know, I know, but the novels from. But you gotta understand the novels from the original concept that it was, you know, before Disney bottom. That's not canon anymore. So you can't have that as part of canon here. What they're doing is they're for the new canon, the, which is the official canon. They're picking little things from the old extended universe, which is considered legends, uh, and they're picking right. certain storylines here and there to put into with certain characters like Thrawn and stuff like that into right. the new canon. And giving it their new canon twist to these characters, and they're doing well, they're, they're they, doing to pander to the audience who loves those characters from the old EU. When they talk, when they talk about Plagueis and all the different, um, but that's from that's that from the but that's from the prequels. Plagueis is the wise is directly spoken right. about in the in the prequels. He's well, he's spoken about in Revenge of the Sith by Emperor Palpatine. Right. Right, and and he's consistently all of them were from all of those novels. That's what I'm saying. They're giving backstory to a lot of the canon that is original canon. So, uh, but I know there's new canon, but that's still getting canonized. I mean, if but, it's well written, yeah, then but that uh, is added to the canon. And but but the the thing you're missing because you're not reading a lot of the new stuff is they're getting their characters, but they're not giving them the same exact story backstory. So they're getting the character name and some of the story, but they're not giving the entire backstory. For example, General Thrawn had has a completely different storyline on the show Rebels, and where he's going to be seen next as the original Thrawn novels. While it's the same character, different backstory, and the new backstory is to fit the new narrative of the new canon. That's, I think, what you're missing. You're, you're assuming that just because you're using the character, they're using the entire original backstory from the old EU. That's not what they're doing. They're getting the character, but they're refixing. It's like saying, for example, watching um, Batman well, 1999 like, and The Dark Knight from Christopher Nolan. It's still no, Batman, no, no, but it's two different I, backstories. Uh, well, it's superhero movies. I'm not into that. My point is, it's if it goes by just like Solo, if you read all the Han Solo novellas, there's so many of them. They blended like three story arcs into Solo's movie. Although I wasn't a fan of how they put everything together because Solo was actually a pilot when he went and worked for the Empire. And uh, they don't touch on that hardly at all in the daggone uh, movie they made on Han Solo. 
because so, uh, again, uh, again, it's not following the canon from the old EU. It's and and that's part of the reason why fans didn't like the new movie because or the solo movie is one of the reasons because it was so different from uh, a lot of the old stuff from the old EU, and a lot of fans are mad at that because they're not they're taking some characters and characterizations, but they're not giving it the full backstory which fans liked, like what you're talking about. And uh, that's uh, part of the problem. With Solo, there was a lot of differences, though. I mean, people didn't want that character to be ruined because, if you you know, they should have never even done books on Solo to begin with. That character is better left untold oh, yeah. until you see oh, him no. in A New Hope. Once you meet him in A New Hope, there's always that mystery to the character, which is what sold that character to begin with. When you tell too much backstory to him particularly, it ruins that moment for fans. Personally, I don't like reading anything with that's to do with Solo's backstory. Um, I didn't like the movie for multiple reasons, but that was one thing I think a lot of fans shared with me on. They didn't want to see his backstory because see, you, want, that's... you want to have a mystery there, you know? Well, no, I, I disagree with that, and I'll tell you why. Because Solo said about it, he used to run freighters. For the Empire, right? But we find and, that we find and, that out uh, along the way. That's the, that's how you build a character. But but, if, but you know, it was in the books after A New Hope, the first Han Solo, Solo series. Han Solo at Star's End, the first book came out, and he talks about it in his book. It followed the original story arc from when he was talking to Obi Wan and Luke. Right. But he doesn't, and, and I understand all that. But again, the books are following the narrative after the movie. To make him an infantryman, a line troop in the Empire was to abuse that character, and that's my opinion of it. And I think that's where they went sideways on Solo. Well, that they didn't explain that the actual they, story arc. That and they give him the, the the same kind of treatment they gave Finn in um, in Force Awakens. Where they had the opposition to uh, give him like his name because remember he was just Han, he didn't have a last name. Right. So they're like, okay, right. I'll call you Han Solo, and like in a Force Awakens, Finn gets his name from who? Paul Dameron, from the opposition yeah. to where he was. So it's like they just flipped it around, and then what they they were both with what mostly with Chewie, and they ended up you know really kind of like almost at you know the helm of the Millennium Falcon at different times, uh, especially after Han dies in Force Awakens. Uh, it's really right. Finn and Chewie for as you know new buddies, uh, as Han and Chewie in the originals, and Finn and Solo. Uh, in, in Spanish, they're both you know words. Solo means alone. Finn means the end, and alone the end. You know, it's almost like going right. to, going the same direction. No, yeah, so they li- yeah. they really like lifted and, and kind of like tied those two stories together for absolutely no reason. Instead of being either original or just leaving Solo alone, which is what I would have done. Well, I, I would agree with you on portions of that. I'm just saying, to me, it doesn't ruin a story arc as long as you maintain it. And, and uh, they, I think that all those movies, they all have one thing in common. Kathleen Kennedy. So... She screwed them all up, except for one. One got through the cracks, and that was the one we were talking about earlier. Rogue One, yeah. and that was yeah. Rogue One. Yeah. Exactly. That was that. That is a standalone storyline, and and that was a good show, good movie, um, and it, and it could stand alone because in the the end was kind of depressing. My wife and I, that was the only thing, but it, it's like that. Remember uh, 
Monta, Mon Monta, yeah, says a lot of. Uh, um, I can't remember the. A lot of good people, people died. Yeah, died. The, yeah. And then the, thing, the 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 second time they did something like that was, which is I think in Jedi, uh, they said a lot of Bantas died or something like that. It was a different line, but uh, yeah, no, it, it's you know, Rogue One's a standout. But if you look at that movie, the best part of that movie is what when Vader comes in and he just goes ape shit on everybody and starts killing people. I mean, oh, they, yeah. every time Vader is in that movie, it just it's it, it's mesmerizing. That's if you think about Star Wars, I mean, you always think of Vader first. So it, what I would have done if I was Kathleen Kennedy or anybody running Lucasfilms, even before sequels got made, I would have hammered at least you know two or three Vaders like. Heavily Vader-esque movies uh, between uh, Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope. And uh, done Rogue One and then a couple of the stories with Vader. Um, I know Lucas and part of the stuff he wanted to do with the sequels was to bring back Darth Maul. Just think of how cool they would have had Darth Maul in with a Vader movie in between Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope. And have the storyline take place there where they, they do battle against each other or something like that. Uh, I mean, they, they could have done so much more, and uh, the, you know, you put Vader in there, and uh, you know, instantly, it's going to be a much better movie because that's like the ultimate badass. I mean, oh yeah, you, the little we got was just you know made the movie so much better. Oh yeah, you're not. Uh, I'm not saying that it didn't. I'm saying it did. Uh, my the thing that I really enjoyed on it was uh, there's one portion of it. When, like you said, when he's coming in and they show him, like, after the battle's already pretty much been won, walking in from the original A New Hope, uh, and you know, he just comes in like chill, chill mode. But when he comes in in that other film and he just, you know, using the force, throwing people around and just slicing motherfuckers up, yep, uh, that that was badass and deflecting uh, laser blast. I mean, everything was cool. But uh, that reminded me of a comic book. The one comic book I did see, and it was actually a good comic book. My son brought it home. So this is years ago, and I have no idea where he got it. I think he took it with him when he went to Marine Corps. Him and his wife took it and, you know, their their belongings. But uh, he had, if, if I had it, I think it was like Darth Vader Unleashed or something like that. But there was a part where Boba Fett gets into some sort of altercation with Darth Vader. I don't know how. And then that's how they ended up meeting, and that's why Vader, when he he looked right at all the bounty hunters, and he goes to to uh, uh, Boba Fett, and he goes, "No disintegration." Yeah, <laughs> and it's like the only thing you hear Boba Fett, "Yes, sir." Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, he knows what could, he knows what's going to happen if you go against Vader. <laughs> yeah, but they got—I guess they got in this comic book. They actually get into like a little little tete-a-tete. And I can't even remember what set it off. If I did, I would have read it, and I would have been able to be conversation, conversant on it. But I was working for the government at the time when he, when he had it, and I had my mind on reality, not on that kind of crap. And I cursory looked at it, and I'm like, oh, that's pretty cool. Darth Vader and Boba Fett getting into a little war, you know, getting into a little battle, and and that was Darth Vader at his badass moment. You know, that was back when he was. You know, and that's so when you talked about him coming on the ship initially and they didn't really show that in A New Hope, just how he's slamming 
the force is just getting thrown everywhere and he's deflecting he's cutting motherfuckers up i mean it was just it was darth vader at at his rawest you know what i mean that's my thinking yeah i agree 100 percent and a Mandalorian holds to that ethos, I think. I think I think we're going to be both pl- pleased. This is not I don't if they do do something where they transport the Mandalorian and everything, I th- I still am going to go with my original thought process on this, brother, is that I think Baby Yoda only because the dark saber is now in play. I got a feeling because the dark saber is Mandalorian uh canon. And I will, I would not doubt that. Yes, he'll get trained by uh, the woman with the tentacles in her head. Uh, Ashoka uh, Tano. Yeah, but I think since he's a foundling, and he said that, even though he's supposed to return him to his people, and he may very well do that. Uh, but the thing is, maybe he gets raised Mandalorian with the Force, and you know he wields the dark saber in the end. Who knows? He could be Mandalore. You know, we we don't we don't know, but I think that that would be a better storyline for Baby Yoda. You know, bringing not just Zen back to the Force, but also you know bringing an actual Mandalore back to Mandalorian. Mandalore, your thoughts? That could be cool. I mean, I'm open for interpretation either way. Remember, these are all fan theories at the end of the day. So I mean, until we. We get what we right, get. Right. You know? I mean, it, it, that'd be, that could be fine. I mean, I have no issues with that. Yeah, we all got disappointed by Game of Thrones. I was a Game of Thrones. Only after, like, the third season, my wife's watching it on TV. Or not TV, but on the computer. And we don't have a TV, but I call it TV. It's YouTube. Uh, she's, But she had gotten on whatever that uh, channel was and been watching this thing. And I'm like, why are you watch? I'd see her watch this knight and armor crap and i'm like what the hell you know and then she's like uh re-watching the season before or something trying to figure something out and she goes i didn't even remember this he's fucking his own sister and i'm like what the <laughs> fuck are you watching some porn and because uh, my wife doesn't watch porn you know neither do i and i'm like what the and i see it and i'm like what the hell? And she goes, oh, you've never seen this? So I think we are in season three when I first started watching. So we got on YouTube. This is back before they started pulling everything down for content. And uh, you could actually watch the films, those shows, like a week behind. You know, people would start posting the, the shows. And then you started having the people popping up with a Game of Thrones theory, between me bouncing out of the country and coming back, uh, I'd catch up on it. And uh, it it was just an interesting thing. So I I think as long as they don't destroy the ending like they did with Star Wars, and as long as they don't destroy it like they did, while I'm not upset with the way Game of Thrones completely ended, um, not completely upset with that, I was disappointed, not not in how the uh, Ice King died, but how John, I thought, should have been the guy who took the throne. And I had that's lit- just my thoughts. I literally have no idea of any of that. Um, oh, mostly because I I, ne- I never watched uh, Game of Thrones. I 
That's fine. In fact, I, I, I've never seen one episode, and I'm very happy about that. When you tell me, John, there I'm like, go. I'm like, is that the toilet? I've never seen yeah. even a single episode. Yeah. It's a character. He's a bastard, and he was born in the North, so they call him Jon Snow. Everybody, if somebody's named Sand, they're a bastard of a sandy area, etc. Well, so, uh, like Anakin Skywalker yeah. would say, I hate Sand. So exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. Whoa! Let it go. Let it go. Jack, masturbate. I was trying to mute myself, and every cough was keeping me from muting myself. Sorry about that, folks. Um. So yeah, like I was saying, yeah, it's a whole different thing. It's sort of like comic books and um. Uh, superhero movies I, I just don't watch and that one was accidental and I actually got into it because it wasn't it had a I like anything that has a good storyline and that's what really killed it for me with the last three with uh, Star Wars is I felt storyline and character development was sadly lacking I don't know if you hold that opinion also but and that's I just my opinion on it because it. it wasn't that really disappointed me with the last Star Wars yeah, installment. Yeah, I mean, I think they set up a decent enough narrative with uh, The Force Awakens where they would have had a stronger middle movie. They could have tied it in better um, and actually had a storyline that you know was cohesive between the three movies and made sense. Um, I think they could have actually done a lot, of, a lot better of a job. Um, I mean, I like the Ben Solo character or Kylo Ren. Um, they, you know, they completely screwed the pooch with the Knights of Ren. They gave no reason or whatever why they were even mentioned. Because they never bring him back in and just yep. you see a glimpse of them. It's like, what the hell? You know, you have all these cool characters. They shot a bunch of scenes and then you cut everything out. Like, what's the point? And then they, you know, they did stupid things like Leia not dying in outer space without a helmet on and... I mean, it was just, uh, it was too goofy, you know? And uh, and the storylines made no sense. Um, there was no real, if you notice, uh, you know, the love story was just horrible. Uh, th I think they were trying to go for a Romeo and Juliet type of thing with Kylo and Rey, uh, where they sacrificed at the end, and it was, it was just badly, badly done. I mean, it, the last two uh, episodes were just, you know... Well, they, they tried to make it Horrible. into a chick flick. Honestly, that's what yeah. they did. Uh, but I will say this. The Knights of Wren, that really was disappointing because I was, I was yoked for the last movie. I was like, maybe Abrams pulled this out of the shitter. And uh, yeah, I don't think anybody could have pulled it out of the shitter after uh, Johnson, Ryan Johnson's uh, butchery of it. But uh, the interesting part was when they did bring on the Knights of Wren, all you saw was um, they tried to go after Kylo. Kylo was the one who ran them, you know, in the story arcs. So that that that's what that's what I know of it of the story arcs that they were like his people, and then they tried to fight him. You know, it just and none of it made any sense. In all honesty, that's my thoughts on it. And then the way they brought the the way they brought the Emperor back. Okay, I, that was okay. But 
just the way haphazardly they stumble upon him and that's how it felt even though that's not what it was um i was just like yeah not buying it yeah i just yeah they, and then they, the used little... him, they used him like at least him like a MacGuffin like type and oh you gotta do this and you go here and put the, you know this knife over here and then it'll take you there and it was just stupid they wasted so much time on that uh, but I, you know, I talked about having the Emperor be the reason of, behind everything when Force Awakens came out on on my old show, The Roundtable, and everybody's like, "Oh, that'll be stupid." And I'm like, "If it's done right, it could be brilliant. If it's done wrong, it'll be retarded." That uh, well, they did it the wrong way. They butchered it. Oh yeah, in my especially opinion. when uh, Kylo or. or yeah, Kylo, when Kylo uh, activated his lightsaber and cuts what's-his-name in two Snoke. in the first or second episode. Yeah. Um, and the little ballet of the little Imperial uh, guard trying to fight him and uh, what's-her-name, where their sticks weren't touching anybody. I mean, it was just, it was like marionettes just spinning and twirling. And I was like, this makes no kind of sense, no kind of strategy. And these are supposed to be the elite of the elite of the stormtroopers that have some sort of force sensitivity that surround the, the Imperial Guard was made up of those people by canon, quote unquote. And yet, what do we have? We have a bunch of buffoons around that tall thing. I can't even remember what his name was. Um, Scarface, whatever. Had the hole in his head. Snoke. You know what I'm talking close, about. Yeah, Snoke. Snoke, Snoke. Yeah. yeah, close enough. Snoke was a was a useless character. It was like a Jar Jar Binks to me at the end. Where in the first show, I was like, well, maybe this character will pull it together. And I did. I thought like you did that the Emperor. That's why I got excited about the last one because I was thinking the same way. The Emperor was pulling the strings in the background somehow. We just didn't know how. And I thought this would be cool to figure out how he survived. And then I saw the part of that Death Star in the ocean from one of the first trailer clips. And I was like, oh, shit. And then you hear him laugh at the end. I was like, this is going to be good. All right. Well, I think we've had enough fan talk for tonight. And we'll get into it on my show. But uh, this one, I, I think it was a fun one. I think... Um, to distract from all the uh, fuckery afoot. And this will be a long one on this election, folks. It's going to go weeks, and it'll be settled by the courts, unfortunately. With that being said, everybody who's sitting on my big orange couch, go on and take out your coffee, tea, soda, or adult libation as you slowly exit outside of Kaiser's Castle. Thanks for listening to Castle Talk Radio, only on PSN Network. Angel Espino's network. Shut out. Yeah.